take a second here and turn my iPad on. I totally forgot to do that. We're going to be in 1 John tonight. 1 John, if you want to turn there, you could do that. Also, you can follow along on the Bible app. Um, we do have the notes there as well for you this evening. So you can follow along there, get the Bible verses and take your notes on that app. But we'll be in 1 John chapter 3, wrapping up this good news sermon series. And uh, be uh, um, a little sad to wrap it up. It's been a 10-week sermon series. Whenever you're in a sermon series for 10 weeks, like you just kind of get comfortable with it. It's just something that's just always there hanging out with you. And you're just always thinking about it. And it just seems like everything you listen to and watch and, and, and all of that stuff, you know, um, it, it, it like just is always just there. You just feel like you're just always hearing the same things and, and all that stuff, you know, just random things that aren't even connected um, except for uh, what's been going on in our home. Uh, I don't know if you, if your home's like mine, but um, Netflix has put Animaniacs on Netflix. And it has been going crazy in my house. So tons of pinky in the brain and all that stuff. But it's making me feel like a kid again. I don't know. if You guys remember all that stuff? I mean, it's just awesome, right? It's so funny. Anyways, you're like, what does this have to do with anything? Nothing. I'm just waiting for my iPad to come on. So just that's all. That's all. So anyways, so um, we are tonight, like I said, going to be wrapping up the sermon series. We've been talking about this for a while, and, um, you know, we were super excited to do this series because this is a, um, you know, as, as we were talking about it and, and saying, you know, what are we going to do here and what is, you know, what's our next series, and, and we, we planned months out. In fact, this week we actually just met and we planned out all the way through um, September, and so we, we really kind of think through where we're going to go and so we can take some time to pray about it and really be diligent about what we're going and we can actually, you know, share things that are in our hearts and, and make sure that we're doing it well and, uh, and that we're not making stuff up um, when we're talking to you. Um, but it, we, you know, it was going through and we were just like, man, this is an important, important series for us not just as a church, but for us as just individuals, like even us, Pastor Fred and, and Pastor Justin and myself of just going through and just saying, man, what, what are we talking about when we talk about the good news? Because it's just absolutely imperative to understand what the good news is. You know, a lot of times we hear the phrase, the good news, or we hear the phrase, the gospel, and we kind of just assume it is just like, yeah, it's about Jesus. But like, what does it mean? You know, like what, is, what, is it, what does it really mean when you hear the good news? And what does that mean for your life? And how has it impacted your life? Because the reality of the gospel is, the truth of the good news is, is that you can't hear it and it not change your life. Like you can't have it invade your life and it really just come in and you just get a hold of who Jesus is and he changes you. And, and it's not just something you're just like, cool, I can add that to who I am. Like the gospel, the good news, when you really understand what it is, it changes everything about you. It changes what you do, it changes where you go, it changes how you talk, it changes how you look, it changes everything about you. Maybe even changes how you smell, I don't know, but it changes everything about you. Like the good news, and the truth of the matter is, is that in our culture, it's getting easier and easier for us just to kind of not really know, not really believe, not really understand what the good news is. There's a lot of things that we've been adding to it. There's been a lot of things that we've allowed to be spoken as the truth, as the good news, that have nothing to do with it. 
And as culture and as society and as the church at large buys into those things, we're buying into something that's false. We're buying into something that is empty. And it's going to lead us astray. And it's going to lead us to a place where we're desperate, where we're discouraged, and we're broken. And we're saying, how did I get here? Like, we need to know what the good news is. We need to understand what the good news is. So we've been taking time and walking through what the good news is because it's imperative for you to understand because it makes a difference in your life. As I've been going through and, and understanding and studying and reading books and reading all these different things, it's been impacting how I live my life. Like as I read scriptures and I'm reviewing it through this lens and looking at scriptures that I've gotten comfortable with over time and things that I've just kind of been like, yep, that's just there. And as I reread those things and as I re-expose my heart and my soul to what God is saying, it's opening my eyes to the life that I'm living. And it's challenging me and it's saying, what is the good news and how has it impacted your life? What does it mean? What's going on in your life? And so that's why we're going to be in 1 John tonight, because that's exactly what John is doing. He's talking to a church that had been existing and had been thriving. And then some people in the church had just started walking away from the church. They had left the church, and some of them were starting to teach and starting to say and spread the, the idea around that Jesus was never real, that Jesus actually never existed. They're, they're just kind of saying, hey, you know what, this whole thing was just kind of made up, and it just really never even took place. And and so these people are kind of spreading that. And John, John is the pass, passionate, you know, apostle. John is the one who all throughout his gospel labels himself as the one that Jesus loved, right? I mean, that's like his moniker, you know. He's just like, yeah, there was Peter. Yeah, there was this guy. And yeah, there was, but there was the one that Jesus loved, you know. And so he's just like, no, I walked with him. I talked with him. Like, I touched him. I ate food with him. Like, I hung out with this guy. He was definitely here. And because he was here, it's changed everything. It's made a difference. And I'm just telling you, nothing is the same. And you have to believe and you have to know that Jesus was here. And because Jesus was here, it means everything to you and me. It means everything to life. Never doubt that he was here. Never walk away from the fact that he was here. Believe that he was here. And believe it with all of your heart. It'll make a difference in your life. It'll change everything. That's what John's saying all throughout this. And it's a challenging book. I encourage you to go through and read the whole book and study it over the next couple of days because it's challenging. But as I was reading it and preparing for tonight, one of the questions I was thinking about myself, and I actually said it, and so it kind of made me laugh because I was thinking about this question, but have you ever had something, like have you ever experienced something that has absolutely changed your life? Like anything at all, you just experienced something and just literally changed your life. You know, it's, it's kind of funny, like, you know, how we, especially, I don't even know why, but I use that phrase a lot to explain different things, you know? Like, hey, if you take a bite of that, I'm telling you, it's going to change your life. If you go to that restaurant, it's going to change your life, right? It has a lot to do with food. I like food, but I don't know why. I just, there's just things that you can go and you experience. It's just going to change your life. It's, we had some bread pudding last night. I'm telling you, if you ever get to experience that bread pudding, it's going to change your life. You need to do it. But, like, we can say it all the time. I was in the car and I was thinking about it, you know, like, and, and I was listening to uh, the radio and then this commercial came on and it was this commercial for um, this boutique in Norfolk that sells women's boots, you know. And she's talking about all this. It was, it was the longest radio spot I've ever heard in my life. I was like, is this ever going to end? Like, it was so long. Like, it was just kind of background noise. And then it's so long. You're like, are they still talking about boots right now? Like, really, you know. And it was just, like, going on forever. And she's like, you know, Taylor Swift wears these boots and blah. Blah, 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 all this different stuff, and, and then she gets in, and she goes, it's like they say, the right pair of boots will change your life, 
You know, and it's just like, you know, it's just when I was like, I don't know about boots, but I know bread pudding can change your life, you know. And so, but, you know, I, like for you, whether it's been uh, food or it's been something, there's, you, there's an experience that you've had that just changed your life. You know, I, I look at Reuben back there holding a baby and just staring into that baby's face. Babies, man, they change your life. When I went from being a 20-some-year-old just guy with a wife that all of a sudden being a 20-some-year-old guy with a dad, it changed everything. It changed everything. And the second that black poop came out, it really changed everything. I was like, what is going on? There's a whole new reality to the world. This is, wow. So, you know, it's like it changes everything. The day I met Michelle and the day that her and I started talking and I realized, like, there was something special about that girl, like, it changed my life. There's been so many experiences that I've gone through and so many things that I've had that have changed my life. I can think of missions trips. I can think of conversations that I've had with mentors. I think of conversations I've had with my dad. I can think of experiences that I've had with friends and family. I can think of all of these different moments that changed my life. But the most profound moment that absolutely changed my life was the night of January 17th in 1999 when I was sitting in a pew, the same as that color as these chairs out of Windsor, Virginia. And I was listening to a pastor preach that I didn't even want to listen to. And it was a sermon that I probably could have preached because I grew up in church my whole life. And there was this moment where all of a sudden I heard God speak to my heart. And he said to me, just like that song tonight, hey, I'm here and I love you and I want to change your life. And I responded and it literally changed everything about me. It didn't make me perfect, as my parents can attest to that. I wasn't a perfect son. And after I got saved, I wasn't much better. Progressively got better over time. I think I'm slowly getting there. But it was one of those things, no doubt, that it changed my life. And it was very clear in very distinct ways that something had changed inside of me. Who I was was now a different person. What I cared about what I was willing to do, what I was willing to risk, what I wanted to stand up for, what I was allowing myself to be a part of, what influenced me, it was different literally in a second. And that's the good news. The good news is something that profoundly changes your life. It's something that profoundly makes a difference in who you are. It's something that literally changes every aspect of who you are. And that was just, my desire, our desire as a pastoral team in preaching this sermon series is that as we've gone through scripture and we've illuminated different things and we've talked about what the truth of the good news is and we've tried to lay out what the good news is and what it means for each and every one of us. As we've been doing that, our hope is, our desire is, is to encourage you, to motivate you, to profoundly startle you, to wake up, to see, to understand, to taste, to feel how good God is, how real he is, how profound his love is for us. That it's not something we can just come and just participate in in the sense of just saying, I went to church once a week, but it's this life that God's inviting us into. It's this all-encompassing, it's this engulfing, it's this it's, it's overwhelming, overtaking life that God wants us to be a part of. 
That the good news is not just, yeah, okay, I fall in that camp, and yeah, I guess I'm okay with Jesus. But it's that Jesus is life, that Jesus was real, and that Jesus is life. It means something extremely radical. And the truth of the Jesus, Jesus, it changes everything. It changes everything. And we have to do something with it, and we have to respond to it. My hope and my desire is, is that as we talk about this, and as we walk into the good news, that there's been something in your heart that has been stirred. We started off at the very beginning in Ephesians chapter 3, talking about the fact that God has a plan. That God has always had a plan, and that plan has always been, will always be, Jesus Christ. That from the very beginning of time, God knew exactly everything that was going to happen. God initiated the creation of this world so that we could be in relationship with him. So that we could know him, be in an unbroken, connected relationship with him. That the fullness of his perfect love could be expressed to a being that he created. And he wanted to be in a relationship with us. And from the very beginning of time, he's had a plan, and he's had a way that he's working that out. And that plan is going to come to fruition in Jesus just as it started in Jesus. And because he has the plan and because he created the plan, that means that he gets to say what happens with the plan and in the plan. Right? It means he's God. And because he's God, he has all authority, and he gets to say what is right and wrong. He gets to say, this is how I want you to live. This is what I want you to not do. He's God, and he has all authority in each and every one of us. From the very beginning of time, as Paul says in Ephesians, Paul says it this way, that we were, we, that we were put as, um, uh, we were labeled, and just by our nature, we are objects of wrath. That says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. That each and every one of us, because God has a plan and he's working those things out, that we've stepped into this place where we say, I don't know if I can trust God's plan. And because we say, I don't know if I can trust his plan, we've rejected his plan and we've walked away from his love, his grace, and his goodness, the life that he wants us to live. And we have said, you're God, but I'm not going to let you be God in my life. I'm going to take control of my life. And we do that in small ways, and we do that in big ways. We do that with our lives in general. That is our propensity. That's what we do. That's how we are wired. Unfortunately, we are broken from the very beginning. That's the way we do it. But it also shows us in Scripture that even though we walked away from God, we have an inability to trust Him, even in that. For God so loved the world, right? That he so loved the world that he sent his son to die for us so that we could have eternal life. That even when we were, say, as Paul in Romans, he puts it this way, Romans chapter 5, even when we are at our worst, even when we are most helpless, some translations say, when we are at our weakest, even in that moment, he came in and he died for us so that we could be restored to him, so that we could be in relationship with him. And that, my friends, is the good news. That God is God and we're not. We've rejected that. And even though we've rejected it, Jesus, all in his own, all for his glory, all in his own power, all for his goodness and all because of who he is, not because of who we are, not because of what we've done, not because we deserve it, not because he felt bad, but for his glory, he came in and made a way for us to be in a relationship with him. That's the good news. That's the truth of the good news. So we've been walking through and talking about this and looking at the reality of this. 
how he's lavished his love on us in Jesus. His love was completely undeserved, but yet he still came and gave everything. That he poured it out. That is the good news, and that good news, it has to be something that changes everything about our lives. We have to understand the truth of the good news. We have to understand that there's bad news. That apart from Christ and apart from living our lives to him, apart from saying yes to him, apart from submitting completely to him and saying you're Lord of my life, anything outside of that is rejecting God's plan. It's walking away. And the bad news is, is that if you do not accept Christ, that you will spend a life separated from God, living in hell for eternity. That there is good news and there is bad news, but the good news is really stinking good news. And it should mean something to us. It should impact us. It should change everything about us. The good news is not about our efforts. It's not about whether or not you're good enough or bad enough. It's not about what you've done or what you could do. It's not about the money you have. It's not about your success. The good news is about you and me being far from God with no way back. But he made a way even still. And I love it in 1 John chapter 3, where we're going to be tonight in our text. You guys need to get a little bit more excited, I'm just saying. But in 1 John chapter 3, in verse 1, I love it as John's talking about who Jesus is. And he's talking about the reality of Jesus and, and, and the fact that he was real and that he was present. In 1 John chapter 3, in verse 1, he says, see. Everybody say it with me. See. Right? He says, see how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. Like, I love it. If you go through tonight and you read 1 John chapter 1 and read verse John chapter 2, you can hear John building up with excitement as he's talking about what God has done for us through Jesus and who Jesus was. And no doubt you know John is, ex is excited and he's passionate because he walked with Jesus. He loved Jesus. He's the one that Jesus loved, and he wants everybody to know who he is. He's like, man, I was Jesus' best friend, and Jesus wants to be your best friend. I'm telling you, this thing is real. And he's getting all excited, and he's getting all pumped up, and he gets to it, and he's like, see how very much. And I love this word, see, because this word, see, it's, it's not just like, hey, just kind of like, look. What he's saying, the, the, the word that's actually there, it's behold, right? It's behold. There's two things I want us to look tonight in this word, behold, in this word, see. I want us to understand as we wrap up this good news series. That when, when, when we look at the truth of the good news, when we look at what we've been talking about, like it's, it's something that so should profoundly impact us that we can't not respond to it. And, and the truth of the matter is, is when we look at the church when we look at our own lives, when I look at my own life, there's too many moments where Jesus is just a figure in my story. My life is not one that's being lived for the truth of his story. When I look at the church and I go to meetings that I was at this week and we talk about the things that, that are happening in culture and churches are coming together and, and we're just like, man, it looks like everything's falling apart and it looks like the world's falling apart and all of Facebook every single day, dear Lord, the world is falling apart, you know? And it, you just look at it and you're just like, man, what's happening? What's taking place? And all of these things are on display. All of these things have got our attention. All of these things take our notice. We're focused on all of this. We're focused on our base. 
bank accounts and we're focused on the well-being of our children and we're focused on all of this different stuff and where's Jesus at in the midst of it? We're just like, Jesus, what's he doing? Where is he at? What's going on? We've, we're broken. We've got something messed up. Somehow we're wanting Jesus to be a part of our story. We're wanting him to come in and just make things a little bit better in our world. Jesus is the world. He is the life. He is the way. He is everything. And until we stop making the world about us and making the story about us, we're going to have a small misunderstanding. We're going to have a small, small world and a small world view. And we're going to miss things that God is doing in this world. We've got to open our eyes and make our world about him, make everything about him and make it less about us. And when we do that, we begin to see, we begin to have our eyes open and we begin to realize, yeah, the world's falling apart, but he said it was going to fall apart. And you know what else he said? That he's already won, that he's already got it taken care of. That it's already happened. That we have a reason for hope. That we have a reason for joy. That we don't have to poke our heads out the door and say, am I going to make it today? Is it worth going out there today? But we get to open the doors and say, today is the day that I get to live for God. Today is the day that I get to step out with my shoulders high and my head high and my back arched. And I say, let's do this thing for your glory today. The church has got to stand up. We as followers of Christ, we've got to stand up. Students, don't go to your schools feeling like you have no voice in your school because you're a Christian. You have the most profound voice that needs to be spoken and heard. You need to stand up with boldness, and you need to stand up with courage. And we can't unless we understand the good news. We look at the world, and we see all the things that are happening. We look at all this different stuff. We've got to stop, and we've got to say, there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, you think about this church, is falling apart, this community, it's falling apart. There's people that are just walking away from the church, and like, Jesus didn't even exist. This whole thing's just a story. John's just saying, no, it's not true. And when you understand that it's not true, when you know, come on, you know, you've been there. Like he's going through in chapter one, and he's like, hey, I'm running to the old because you know. And I'm running to the young because you know. You've been there. You've seen it. You've experienced it. And tonight, if you're a follower of Christ, you've had a moment, hopefully, just like I had on January 17th. You haven't been perfect since. You've made a lot of mistakes since. You've made a lot of big mistakes since. You've had a lot of people hurt you since then. You've been disappointed. You've been devastated. You've been discouraged. Guess what? The good news is still true and is just as powerful and is just as real as the night it was, as the day it was, as the morning it was when you first heard it and you believed. And you've got to believe. You've got to come back. You've got to get to a place where you say, see, see how much our Father loves us. And I've been desperate for this sermon series to awaken something in me, to awake something in you and in this church. Because I don't want us walking around with our eyes closed. I don't want us walking around with our mouths shut. I don't want us walking around with our heads down looking at the ground. I want us walking as children of God with boldness and strength. I know you got disappointing things going on in your world. 
I know you got things that aren't happening that you want to have happen, but you are a child of God, and who knows what's going to happen, and who knows how it's going to turn out, but he's got you. The victory is there. The strength is there. The joy is there. The peace is there. See, open your eyes, and understand, and know how much your Father loves you. The good news is there, because it's not about how many prayers you've had answered. It's not about how well you've done at your jobs. It's not about how successful you are in your relationships. It's not about how good your kids are. The good news is that he loves you and that he chose you. And when you see this word see, when you see this word behold, the first thing I want you to see is that this is an exclamation. It's an exclamation. It's John saying, see, behold, like see what God is doing. Like see what he's doing. Respond to it. Participate in it. Take delight in it. See that God is all around you. He is in you. He is with you. He is for you. He is behind you. He is next to you. He's ahead of you. See, he's everywhere. Behold, believe, take it in, embrace it, breathe it in, smile, walk with joy, sing songs of praise, lift your hands, do the unthinkable, do the impossible, go the places that God's challenging you to go, listen to the Holy Spirit speak in your heart, and just go and do it. He's with you, see, you're a child of God, he loves you. It's an exclamation, it's profound. John's just saying, do you see it? Do you see it? Do you understand it? Do you understand how big this is and how great this is? It changes you. I love my kids. I love my kids like crazy. It's insane. I talked about it a little bit two weeks ago. It's insane how much we talk about how much we love each other. One of the things... I'm absolutely convinced about. If you're worried, you're like, does the dude ever discipline his kids or he's always telling them that he loves them? No, we discipline. Don't worry about that. All right, that happens. Because you can't love without discipline. So we discipline, but we're quick to forgive. Quick to extend grace. Quick to say I love you. One of the things I love about it, and it was just like I was looking, I was like, that's so true. That's exactly what happens. My kids love doing the things that I do. My kids love doing the things that Michelle does. My kids love sweeping the floors with us. They love dusting the house with me. Like they love going to buy groceries and take out the trash. The kids love to come into the service and they love to set up the chairs with me. They love to walk these altars right here and pray with me. They love to do all those things. Yeah, I mean, they're good kids. They're not perfect kids, but they're good kids. But you know why they love to do those things? Because they know how much I love them. And they know who they are to me. And it's never in question. They're my children. They're mine. I will love them and I will do more for them. I will give everything for them because I love them regardless of what they do. Regardless of how far they run, regardless of how hard they push, they know that my love doesn't change. They know that my, my care for them doesn't change. And they just want to be a part of the things that I'm doing. 
and you look at your life and you wonder, what is it that God wants you to do? Just see. Just see that you're his child. See that he loves you. Just see that he cares for you. Ah, things happen. It doesn't mean he loves you less. Things get broken. You know what? He still loves you. You get the raise, and guess what? doesn't mean anything more. He still loves you. Right? He loves you. You're his child. See that he is all around you, that he cares about you. Enjoy it. Respond to it. Participate in his love. Participate in the things that he's doing, that he's putting right in front of you. Take joy in it. Delight in it. Love it. Embrace it. Enjoy it. Be aware. See. Open your eyes. I love in Exodus chapter 33. We've been talking about the story of Moses and Israel for multiple weeks. And I love in Exodus 33, it just seems just so out of place to me a little bit. Where they're talking back and forth, God and Moses are talking back and forth about who's going to take Israel because they're just, they've been boneheads and they've messed things all up. And, and it's just like, okay, Moses, you know, God is like, hey, Moses, you can take your kids, you know, and you can just, you know, you're, you're fine. Everything's good. I know you by name. And I love you. You guys can go. And Moses is like, no, 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 they're your people. <laughs> they're yours. Like, remember that. But I love it because God says to him multiple times, I know you by name. And he's speaking to Moses and he's reminding Moses, I know you. I love you. You're my child. Their failure, it's not on you. The things that you're experiencing right now, all of those things that you're going through, the discouragement, the frustration, the pain, the suffering, the questions, the wondering, all of that right now. Hey, guess what? You're mine. I know you. I know you by name. I'm not defining you or anything that's going on. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not allowing my love to be determined by any of those things. I know you. I know your name. John, he's got the same thing going on. It's like, no, this thing's for real. Like, this thing happened. Like, he hung out with me, and he loved me the most, right? Like, like this thing's for real. Like, you've got to get this, and you've got to see. You've got to open your eyes, and you've got to know what's taking place. Listen, if you can understand and see how much God loves you and how good news it is, what good news it is that he loves you, Look, if you could really understand it and really grasp it, it would change everything for you. It would change everything for you. When he was saying to Moses, I know you by name, what he was saying to Moses is, is I love you. And what he's saying to you, what he was saying to John, when he was talking to John all those different times throughout the Gospels, when he was telling John that he loves him, is reminding you and it's reminding me that he loves us. That his love was giving to us out of his choosing, not out of our efforts, not of our ability, not out of who we are or who our parents are, but because he chose us us because he loves us and he wants to know us and you know what that does it removes shame and guilt man it removes shame and guilt when you hear somebody say i love you it makes you free it lifts the burden and the weight and you can breathe again you feel a little bit of a glimmer of hope those moments when I'm disciplining my kids and they're crying and those moments when things are not great. We're sitting there 
and we get done and we're at the point where it's like, okay, let's move past this thing. And I look at them in their eyeballs and I say, I love you. And I just hold them. It's not long before we're at a place where we're laughing. It's not long where we're at a place where they know freedom. It's not long where we're at a place where we've moved past it. And now we're in a place where we can learn from it. It removes shame. It removes guilt. It removes self-doubt. It removes unworthiness. There's some of you here tonight, you feel like you have nothing to give and you have nothing to offer. That does not come from God. That is not the truth of the good news. Each and every single one of you, you have a purpose and you have a reason for being on this planet. You have a way that you can live your life for God's glory that no one else can live. And if you live that life and you know that life and you breathe that life, it's the most just amazing, powerful life that you could possibly live. It's the most incredible place you can find yourself in. And God created you in all of eternity's past to live right now for a moment, for a reason, for a purpose, because you are worthy. You are enough. You, he cherishes you. He loves you. He cares for you. It removes that sense of unworthiness. It removes that sense that you were not worth enough. If something's happened in your life, somebody's hurt you, something's broken in your life that's beyond your control, I want you to hear this tonight. Christine Kane said this, and it was so good. Make what Jesus has done for you bigger than what anyone has ever done to you. Man, it opens your eyes, doesn't it? It opens your eyes. I'm loved. I'm cherished, I'm known, I have a purpose, I have a reason for living. It helps you to stand strong and to believe. Look, open your eyes and see. It should cause excitement. I get worked up a lot, I yell a lot, I cry a lot, I laugh a lot. It's not always been my personality. It's not always been, I've never really been necessarily a shy person, I guess you can say. But man, insecurity and doubt, it just wreaked havoc in my life for so long. The more I know the truth of who Jesus is, man, the more I become who he wants me to be. The freer I find myself living this life that he's called me to live. Open your eyes and see. I get passionate about people being passionate about living God. I push Michelle. My introverted, sweet, quiet, innocent light wife. I push her. Come on, let's laugh. Let's talk. Let's go places. Let's do some stuff. Let's do things that are outside of our comfort zone. And my comfort zone's getting smaller and smaller or bigger and bigger, whatever it would be, right? And hers is the opposite, you know, sometimes. But I, I want us to experience things. Sometimes I push you guys and I'm saying, come on, lift your hands and lift your voice. Come on, would you call out to me, call out with me right now? Come on, will you worship with me? Come on, let's respond. Come on, let's laugh. Sometimes when I'm in the sermon and I'm pushing, I'm like, you guys are a little bit quiet right now. You're a little bit bored right now. And then it's like, open your eyes and see. Like, this is so good. This is so, man, God is with us. Right now, he's sitting next to you. He's sitting with you. He's whispering in your ear. He's whispering in your heart. I want to be with you. I want to be next to you. I want you to know life, and I want you to know abundantly. I want you to walk with joy. I want you to walk with passion and purpose. Come on, see. It should cause you to walk with some excitement. It should cause us to wake up a little bit. 
most introverted of us, when something awesome happens that really means something to you, you're going to yell, you're going to scream, right? I'm not saying don't be you. I'm saying be you, but open your eyes and see, because I'm ready. I'm ready to be a part of a church that sees God all around and that wants to run to him, that wants to embrace him, that wants to be where he is, and that's excited and passionate about that. Second thing I want us to see tonight, and the word see and the word beholds, first thing is it's an exclamation. The second thing is it's a command. First John chapter 3. It goes on through. I'm not going to read it for the sake of time because I've got some things I want to say. But First John chapter 3, 7 through 9 and 10, you can see in there that there is a distinctive of who we're supposed to be as followers of Christ. Sometimes we push back on the ideal a little bit and we say, you know what, you can't tell me who I am and you can't tell me, right? Only God knows my heart. Only God knows their heart. There are things about the way in which we live that declare our understanding of the truth of the good news. Here, I will read this in chapter 3. Let's go over to uh, verse 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's not the verse I was looking for, but that's really good. Anyway, somewhere over here, it's just talking about like we're known by our actions. We're known by our actions and the way in which we love and we live. Listen, this is a command. If you know who you are, if you know that you are a child of God, it means that there are things that you say yes to and there are things that you say no to. And you live your life in that manner. I want to encourage you tonight. There's some things that you have that are going on in your life that no one knows about. There's some stuff that you're struggling with. There's some things that you have going on in your life that you know are not things that God wants you to do. There are things that you said yes to that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has told you to say no to. And if you've never had that thought, as I say it right now, you just had something pop into your head and you go, oh, is that what I'm supposed to say no to? Probably. Right? It's a command. When you're a child of God, when you've been claimed by the creator of the universe, there are things that you do and there are things that you don't do. I'm an Orioles fan. Why? Because I grew up in Virginia Beach when I was eight years old, and everybody else was Orioles fans. That's why I'm an Orioles fan. You know what I do as an Orioles fan? I hate the Yankees. Right? The Yankees are better. They've won more titles. They've accomplished more things. They've had better players, and they've got a lot more money. But I hate the Yankees because I'm an Orioles fan. That's why. And the Red Sox. There you go, Chandler. When you're claimed, when you're identified... There are things that you do because that's what you're supposed to do. And there are things that you don't do because that's not what you're supposed to do. There's a command in this. As a child of God, you know and you have the Holy Spirit within you that is walking with you. 
And all throughout your life, the Holy Spirit is speaking and guiding and directing. Well into my Christian life, there were things that I was dealing with. There were things that I was doing that I do not do now. But God's grace over time, even though it was sin, over time, God's grace, he loved me and he walked with me. But there was a moment when he said, no more, you've got to stop that. And I have to obey and I have to say yes to him. I have to trust that he is better, that he is greater, that his life that he wants for me is greater than those things. And I'm just telling you tonight, there are things that you have, some of you have in your lives that are wreaking havoc in your worlds. They're wreaking havoc. They're destroying everything. You can see what it is. See that you are a child of God. There are things that he wants you to do and there are things that he doesn't want you to do. And he's God. Trust him. Say yes to him. Say yes to him. Say no to yourself. I had to this very week, two days ago, I had to say no to myself. It's just something that happened. I was like, what in the heck? What? What? I'm supposed to be preaching this weekend, right? And I had to stop and I had to say yes to Jesus. And I had to say no to myself. Because here's the powerful thing. Jesus came and he lived a perfect life, and he lived a life that you and I cannot live. And he died the death that you and I deserve to die so that you and I, in his resurrection, could be made right with God. That's the good news. That's the gospel, right? He took with him the penalty of sin. He took with him the power of sin. He broke sin, and he demolished death. He claimed victory over all things. And because of that, we can stand victorious. Because of that, we can stand with hope. Because of that, we can stand with joy. Because of that, we can walk in victory. We can overcome. Right? But you know what he didn't take? Your weaknesses. He didn't take the things that you're prone to do. He didn't take your selfishness. He didn't take your pride. He didn't take those things. But you know what? He gave you and what he did take. He gave you the strength, the ability, and the power to say no to yourself. Man, you want to see something wonderful happen in your life? You want to see something new happen in your life? You want to get to that place where you can look around and be like, look, God is with me. Look at what he's doing. Look what's happening. Say no to yourself and say yes to him. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you there's some things that you've got to do. It's a command. Look and see. There's things that he wants you to do. There's a way that he wants you to live. There are things that are robbing you of life right now. And he doesn't want them to be a part of your world. Say no and choose him. Choose life. None of that was in my notes. It's a command. All right, third thing we're going to look at. I'm going to try to wrap this up quick for you guys. And this word, see, it's an exclamation, it's a command, and it's a call to action. It's a call to action. You look at verse 11 and you go all the way through the rest of the chapter, it's a call to action. 
When you see how good God is, you see how rich his mercy is, you see how wonderful and how kind he is, you see how powerful he is, you see that he is righteous and he's called you to live, called you to live a righteous life and he's given you the ability and the power to live a righteous life. When you see that, you have to respond. You have to be a part of the things that you're doing and he's doing. You have to be a part of it. Come on, right? Think about it. We do this, right? Come on, this is the easiest thing for us to understand in our world. You eat a piece of pie that changes your life. What do you do? You share it with everybody, right? How do you share it with everybody? Okay, so have a piece. What else? Right? We post it on Instagram. We put it on Facebook. Right? You create a poll. Who's had this and who's had their life changed by it and who hasn't, right? Like, I mean, you go through, like, your instant response. Like, man, that was amazing. You see something awesome happen on TV. You share the clip, right? You see an amazing happen in sports. What do you do? You start texting your best friend. You start talking about all the things that you see happen. Wham, did you see that? And you're reliving the moment over and over, right? You see something awesome happen. You see something amazing. You see something that's life-changing happen right in front of you. I don't care who you are. You respond. Why is it so hard for us to respond? And I said us, okay? Right? Why? Why do we struggle to respond to the goodness of who God is and the life that he's called us to live? Man, look and see. He's all around. He's with you. He loves you. He's chosen you. He cares for you. What he's done for you is greater than what anybody else has ever done. It's bigger. It's better. It's more meaningful. There's more life in the love of Christ than there is in anything else you can find in the world. There's more joy in his presence than anything that you can find in the world. Man, and we, if we see that... We can't help but respond. And you go through, and what is John talking about? What do we do? We love each other. Brings it right back. The ruler asked, lawyer asked Jesus, hey, what's the best thing? What's the greatest commandment? What are we supposed to do? Like, there's all of these things. There's 650-some laws that we have to follow. Like, that's a lot. And I'm a lawyer, and that's a lot. What's the one? He says, love God and love others. He goes through his love others. In fact, if you can't love others, man, that shows you that you don't understand the depth of his love. And if you love God the way that he loves you, and if you love others the way that he loves others, you hold nothing back. Right? Man, there's some things that God's challenging you to do. There's some things he's calling you to participate in. Can I just encourage you? Can I challenge you? Say yes to those things. When I talk about the faith promise in your seats, you have a hard time because it's money. When I talk about tithe, I even just said the word money right now, and you're like, oh, God, he's talking about it. It's in the scriptures tonight. John talks about it here in just a few verses. I talk about money, you're like, oh, he's talking about money. You know why? You know why scripture talks about money? You know why Jesus talks about money so much? Because we put our trust in money instead of him. And if we can go through and say, I want to say yes to you, and I want to put my trust in you, guess what? Your money, it changes where it goes. This week, I had a conversation with Michelle. And I was like, we got to look at our budget. we got to do some things. I feel like we're just missing some stuff. 
I feel like we're not doing well with our finances. I'm a little bit disappointed, like, in what we can't do and what we're having to say no to. And, you know, I'm going through, and I'm, like, drilling her, right? You know, and it's like, this is what we got to do, and we got to do this, and we got to do that. You know, I'm just, like, being the man or whatever, being stupid. I don't know. And so, like, you know, I'm just going through and all this different stuff. And so she lets me talk. She lets me babble on for a while. And then we get done, and she's like, Jamie, have you looked at how much we tithe? Have you looked at how much we give to missions? We're supporting a kid in the DR. We're supporting a missionary over in this country. We've got a guy that's planting a church in Chicago, and we're giving him money every single Do you see, like, all the things that we're doing that are beyond? And she just kindly just smacked me in the face. <laughs> Man, when I looked at it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's life. That's life. Not, can we go on a date one more time a month? Not, can we get this, or can we increase our internet speed, or can we, like, in any of that? Like, man, I want to be a part of this kingdom stuff. I forgot, that's what's life, right? Come on, that's life, that's good stuff. That's the things that he's called us to. I want to be about those things. And so now it changed our conversation. We're still going to look at our budget. We're going to fine tune some stuff. And we're going to free up some stuff. You know why? Because I want to support another missionary. I want to support another kid in the DR. I want to do something else because I want to be a part of the things God's doing. You know why? Because when I step into those moments, it opens my eyes and it helps me to see that God is here. That he's working. That he's doing something in me and he's doing something through me. That he's saying, listen, you are the solution solution to somebody else's need. You are the one that I want to use to bring hope into somebody else's world. You are the answer to somebody else's prayer right now. And if I open my eyes, I get to see that and I get to participate in it. I get to take joy in it. I get to delight in it. I open my eyes and I get to say, dad, guess what? Look what God's doing. Hey, Terrence, can you believe the things that are happening? It opens my eyes, and I'm exclaiming, I'm exalting, I'm lifting, I'm glorifying. Why? Because I said yes to him. Because I stepped into the call of action. There's some things in some of your lives tonight, you're good. When I was talking about sin in your life, you were okay. You're like, yeah, I know who he's talking about, but it's not me. I feel good, but I hope my spouse is listening. But right now, when I'm talking about participation, there's some of you, there's some things that God's calling you to participate in. And you need to step up. And you need to walk into it. Because if you see who God is and you see that he's called you, that he's chosen you, that he's claimed you as his, that he's made you his child, and that he's given you this life, this life in which is abundant, it's rich, it's good, it's wonderful, and it's joyful. Man, and he's given you things to do in this world that no one else can do. He's given you opportunities to be a part of that he wants, and that he's created an eternity past just for you. Man, when you see that, you're just like, oh, and you step into those moments. I'm telling you, the gospel is going to come alive in your life. Some of you, you feel like God has been distant, and you feel like God doesn't answer your prayers, and you feel like God isn't there, and maybe even you're at a place where you're saying God doesn't care. God is not withholding himself from you. He's waiting for you to trust him. And to step into what he has right now, even in the midst of your misery.
He wants you to trust him where it hurts the most. That he is good. That he's faithful. That he's loving. That he's kind. That he knows what's best. And I'm just telling you, there's some of you, you need to say yes. There's some of you, I'm going to hit them all. I got a few minutes over already, so I'm going to take a few more minutes. All right? We're not going to sing, I'm going to pray, we're going to end, and you get to go eat. It's all right. I got a meeting that if I'm late to, I'm going to get in trouble for, so just kidding. There's some of you tonight, you, you, you haven't stepped up and you haven't found a place to serve in the church yet. Because you're just like, man, I got a lot going on in my life. I'm just going to tell you this. I can guarantee you this after 14 years of ministry. Your life is only going to get busier and busier and busier. And you're only going to find yourself hungrier, more desperate, and more empty. We started this thing, the Good News series, in Ephesians chapter 3. God has a plan. And what is he working that plan out through? What's he working that plan out through? Anybody know? Huh? Us. He's working that plan out through the church. Right? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. You can look at it. It's there. Look, there's some of you tonight. I'm, I'm not telling you, look, I'm not talking about giving because I need your money. I don't need your money. God doesn't need your money. He wants you to participate in what he's doing. He wants your eyes to be opened up. He wants your heart to be freed. Right? I'm not talking to you about serving in the church because we need people to serve in the church. You know why? Because we got awesome people that are serving in the church. They're killing themselves. They're pouring themselves out left and right to serve in the church. Daniela's up here. She just had ear surgery, and she wanted to sing tonight. Stephanie thought she was going to be puking everywhere, but she said, I don't care. I'm going to be up here singing instead. I mean, there's people that are willing to give of themselves because they want to be a part of the things that God's doing. I'm talking about this, and I'm saying it's important because I'm just telling you, there's something that God wants to do in you, and there's something he wants to do through you. I know people in this church that their lives have been changed. Their understanding of the gospel has been changed because they served in the kid life team. They were in the kids' ministry, and some, God talk, some kid talked about God in a way that opened their eyes to how good God is. They had an eight-year-old change their life, and they love being in kids' ministry because of it. I, I know people in this room. I know people that, that, uh, that uh, all across this country, all across this world, me, myself, I'm only who I am, and I only know God to the depth that I know him because of the moments that I said yes to serve him through the church. I have been able to put myself in places and positions because I was willing to set up chairs when nobody else was and have found myself in a place talking to a person of influence that I had no right being in the room with. I found myself traveling in Texas and riding in a car with one of the country's most profound speakers and authors in the world who was the president of my college. I found myself in a car with him, having him just pour into my life for six hours. I got to eat Mexican food in Texas with this guy who speaks beautiful Spanish because God just gave him Spanish in the middle of a jungle because he wanted to preach in the native tongue. That man, I got to spend six hours with him because I was willing to do things. I was willing to serve and I was willing to commit. I'm not boasting myself, I'm not building myself up. I'm just telling you, those were profound moments that changed my life. And the only reason they happened is because I wanted to say yes and I was willing to serve. 
and I was willing to be a part. I'm just telling you these things and so many more that I have on my list. Some of you, you need to start a new business. Some of you, you need to quit your jobs. Some of you, you need to have a serious conversation with your spouse and you need to start marriage counseling. Some of you, you need to get involved and plugged into a life group. Some, not some of you, all of you. Hear me? Some of you, you need a complete start over. You need a complete do over. And you need to figure out how to do that with your finances. There are things that you need to do. And I'm just telling you, until you say yes to those things, until you step into those moments, your eyes are going to be closed. And I'm just telling you, God wants your eyes to be open. He wants you to be alive. He wants you living life. Do you want to live life? And do you want to walk around just knowing that God is with you? Do you want to walk around knowing that you got the winning jersey on? Do you want to walk around knowing that you are a part of God's kingdom and that no matter what happens, you're good, it's all taken care of? When the worst of the worst hits your home, that even though despair hits your heart and the tears hit your eyes and they flood your carpets, that even in that place, you can still know hope and you can still find peace. And that's the good news. You're his child and he loves you. Some of you, you got some things that you need to stop doing. And some of you, you got some things you need to start doing. God wants you to open your eyes. This series has been to paint the truth of the gospel. He doesn't care about your bank account. He doesn't care about your well-being. If you're single, he doesn't care. You know what he cares about? You know what he cares about? He cares about you living your life for him. And when you live your life for him, you know what he showed you? You know what he shows you that he's already cared for? Your bank account. He's got that perfect person out there just for you. Come on. See how much your father loves you. And he calls us his children. And that's what we are. That's the good news. Let it change your life. Let it change your world. Live differently. Worship differently. Say yes to the things that are going to change your life. Say no to the things that are stealing and robbing your life. Come on, see. See how much your Father loves you. God, we thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you for this beautiful people's patience. I thank you for the good news of Jesus. I thank you for who you are. And I thank you. You know, I was a 19-year-old idiot, angry, insecure, full of doubt, wearing jinkos that were six times too big for me and a chain hanging off of my wallet. It wasn't about who I was. It wasn't about what I was doing. It was about you and it was about your love. It was an expression of how good and merciful and how wonderful you are. 
I think you did at that moment. Even though I did everything I could to push you away. I did everything I could to reject you. You screamed into my face. I love you. And you are mine. And I thank you that that moment changed my life. Father, I pray tonight for all those in this room that have had a moment just like that. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit right now speak that your Holy Spirit right now open our eyes. There are things that we need to say no to. Give us the strength to say no. God, there are some of us in here, there are some things that we need to say yes to. Give us the strength right now through your Holy Spirit to say yes. We are your children. Oh, how you love us. Who are we? but a breath but you know us by name God I pray Lord I pray that there are people in this church that are here tonight there are people that are listening to this online that their eyes are going to be opened maybe for the first time in a long time they're going to see how much you love them them to respond. Help them to respond. There's some of you in here tonight. All heads bowed and eyes closed. There's some of you in here tonight. There's some of you in here tonight. You've been a part of a church for a long, long time, maybe your entire life. There's been moments you've heard the good news, but there's never been a moment where it changed your life. There's some of you in here tonight you're hearing the good news maybe for the first time, maybe the tenth time, but you've never even tried to respond to it. Tonight is a moment that God wants you to respond. He wants to change everything. Here's the wonderful thing. He doesn't want to just change it. He wants to make it different. He wants to make it new. He wants to make you new. That's what he wants to do. You want to know joy? You want to have your eyes opened? Say yes to Jesus tonight. If there's anybody in here tonight, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and put it down and say, that's me, Pastor Jamie. I need to say yes to Jesus. If there's anybody in here tonight that says, yes, that's me. I've been in church my whole life. This is the first time I've ever been in church. But I've never said yes to Jesus. I've never understood the truth of his love. I've never had my eyes open to who he is and my need for him. I want my life changed. I want to be new. Is there anybody in here tonight? Just you and me raising your hand as an acknowledgement of faith. Awesome. Anybody? Father, be with us. Lead us. God, may the truth of your good news, God, may it profoundly change us and move us to live our lives for your glory. God, help us to be like Paul. 
God that, that or, or Paul, yes, but John, as we've been talking about it, God like John, where we can say, he loves me the most. He loves me. He knows me. And God, help it to be something that causes us to screen the gospel and your good news into everybody else's world. Father, we love you and we thank you in your holy and precious name. Amen and amen. I love you guys. Be back here next week, Mother's Day. Bring your mom and five other people and their moms. Love you guys.